0: Wow, God-given rules is scary, isn't it? You know, dare I criticize one of the most famous movies of all time, and especially one about the, the Ten Commandments. I'm not sure I would have done that scene like that. It, it really does present the idea that God, God-giving rules is a, is a terrifying thing. Oh, folks, the, the Ten Commandments are the ten most powerful words ever given to you and me. The ten most powerful, most important, most needed words ever given to mankind. It is those words that are right. It is those words that are good. They tell us. They tell us how to know and love God. They they tell us how to know and love each other. We need those. Some of that might look kind of obvious, right? Don't lie, don't kill. A matter of fact, I think there would be plenty of people on the planet that would say, well, we don't need a Ten Commandments. Those are obvious. I, c- I can decide for myself. I can decide for myself what's good, what's right, what is loving. But, folks, I think humanity shows us, history shows us, that, that when you and I decide from person to person... From situation to situation, from culture to culture, what is good, what what is loving. It doesn't lead us to what is good and loving. It leads us to hate. And it leads us to what is bad. Boy, did we not see a great illustration of that this week. Apparently there's a little uh, college entrance scandal going on. Did you hear anything about that? One of the... um. One of the fathers was on tape actually saying this. He said, there was nothing moral about what I did. Now, you and I, us good church folks, were, oh, that's horrible. He's done this wrong thing. Like, I mean, they lied, they stole, they cheated. Other people lost positions. I mean, we'd say, "This is how can he say there's nothing moral about this? Well, that's a good question. How does he say that? He does it with the same frame of mind that almost every person in here has used. It's for my kid. When I am protecting, when I am promoting, when I am providing for my child... Hey, whatever I do, if it takes lying, if it takes stealing, if it takes cheating, I don't think we often go on and finish that sentence, but it really is how we act. It really is. See, I make up the rules. I decide what is good. And right now, the highest good is my kid getting what I want my kid to get. So whatever it takes to get that. Folks, that train of thought runs through most parents in America today. There may be a few that got caught this week doing something about it. But we really do have that mindset because that's what happens. When I'm deciding from person to person, situation to situation, what is good, then what is good is what serves me. And guess what? That doesn't always turn out for, well, my good. And it certainly doesn't turn out for good for the others around me. Folks, the Ten Commandments are the definitive picture of what is right and good for all people, in all places, in all times. And it is this list of rules by which you and I are measured. It's this list of rules that you and I are found guilty can any of us stand next to that list and say, I'm right by this. I've, I've done this. Oh, folks, <laughs> the question isn't you and me standing before that list going, have I broke every one of those? No, really, the question we ought to be asking ourselves is, can I even count how many times I have broken every single one of those Ten Commandments? You know, I, I hear believers sometimes today think that uh, we're not really about the Ten Commandments. Oh, I mean, those are the right and good things to do, but, but I'm about Jesus, right? We're not about rules, we're, we're about Jesus. It, it sounds good, doesn't it? It sounds very warm and fuzzy, I get all inside that. Usually what we're saying in that is, you know, I'm not about rules, I'm about Jesus, and let's all know, Jesus is about me. Jesus is about my happiness, Jesus is about what serves my well-being, and and, you know, if I mess anything up on the process of my well-being, well, Jesus forgives. Jesus is not bothered by that. Have you heard Jesus talk about the Ten Commandments? Let's look at him do that. Matthew chapter 5, he says, you have heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder. We just heard that. It was very scary when Charlton Heston got that. You have heard that it was said, you shall not murder. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. You've heard it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You know what Jesus is doing there? He said, you know, my my dad said, but let me tell you what I say. No, that's that's not what he's doing. He's not making the rule stricter. kind of sounds like that, right? You used to think you got in trouble if you pulled out a gun and killed somebody. No, I tell you, now you get in the same trouble if you just hate someone. He's not making the rule stricter. You know what Jesus is doing there? He's going to the heart. You see, you and I evaluate the outside action we, we see what's going on on the outside say hey that's wrong and Jesus said, hey listen you've heard you know when somebody pulls out a gun and shoots somebody that's a sin you're now in a bad place with my dad right but what he's now saying is do you understand though the problem began before the gun came out the problem began there, there was a problem between you and my father before you got into bed with somebody who was not your mate That wasn't when guilt happened. No, we got rewind, rewind, rewind. It goes all the way back to something that was going on in my heart. See, we think, no, no, only if it comes out of my mouth or my hands or my feet, my words and my actions. But God looks at the heart. God sees what is, is going on inside our heart. And, and not only is our heart breaking every one of those ten commands. You know what else our heart does? It justifies why we break every one of those commands. We lie to ourselves just like that father said. There's nothing moral happening here. I know by some definitions I'm lying, stealing, and cheating. But it's for my child. Therefore, it's not really wrong. Do you have any lies you've told that you justified why it wasn't a lie? Therefore, you don't even have to confess it as a lie. I can't tell you how many, any more than I can tell myself how many. We justify almost every single sin we commit so that it's, well, just like that, Dad, I can say, there's nothing moral here. And that's why God says to us, you know, your heart is deceitful. It is, it is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Oh, I can tell you who can understand it. I can. I search the mind. I test the heart. I think I said that reversed. God says, I know exactly what's going on in your heart and in your mind. Think of all the thoughts that are flowing around in there. We're usually just measuring what comes out, right? What went on in your heart this past week? You realize God saw everyone, everything that you placed above Him, that you love more than Him, that you fear more than Him. God saw all that as if it had actually come out. As if you'd actually done it. He sees you. Remember, that list is what is good and loving, and we think of ourselves as as pretty good people. But in my mind, I am defying what is good. I am defying what is love. I am defying what is God with how many thoughts every single day? God sees that I cannot take my mind off of what you have. I cannot be satisfied with, with what I have. Why do they get that? Why do they have that? Makes me miserable, makes me mad, makes me angry. Why can't I have that? God sees every one of God hears every word spoken that mocks and disrespects parents. Every single one of those words, the little mumbling. When your mom said, What'd you say? Oh, no, nothing. The father heard it. Heard every single one of those. He listens as we justify why our lies are not lies, why our stealing is not stealing. We all steal. Do you think you're not stealing because you're not wearing a mask and running into a bank? You steal. You've stolen. I've steal stolen. No, not 37 years ago when I had this bad. No, we do it all the time. I can justify why... Anything I want belongs to me. You don't need it anyway. You don't deserve it. I worked harder for it. God hears every single one of those thoughts. He sees what is going on in our hearts. It's why Jesus says, these people honor me with their lips. But their what? Their heart. See, that's what he's measuring. That's what he's... Well, what's he measuring my heart against? The Ten Commandments. These people honor me with, what people you think he might be talking about there? You think he's talking about atheists? The last atheist I talked to wasn't trying to honor God with his lips. You think he's talking about other people of, of other religions? Nope, here again, they're not trying to honor God with their lips. You think he's talking about the person who's not an atheist, not another, just doesn't even think about it, doesn't care, just living for this? No, nope, they're not. Tr- who's he talking about? You and me. We we want to honor them with our songs. We want to honor them with what we say we believe and, and the Bible studies that we do. And and I know what a right person believes. And yet my heart my heart's not far from God. What were the thoughts that rolled around in there this week? What were the thoughts about that person? What was the thoughts uh, about that stuff? Folks, this is why the Bible says there is none who is righteous. No, not one. No one is good. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, when I, when I look at those phrases, when I read that verse in Romans 3, which I have a lot, there's none who is righteous. I'm comfortable with that, aren't you? I mean, righteous is such a high-sounding word, a big word. Most of us are not going to say, I, I'm righteous. When it says all have sinned, I, I get that. Everybody's done wrong, Right. Very few people are actually trying to make the case they've lived a, a perfect life. Most of us are, yeah, I, I've done, but that but the, no one is good. Don't you struggle with that phrase a little bit? I mean, when it says no one is good, don't you immediately think of somebody that's good? Well, Lord, you couldn't have been, I mean, you're not talking about Billy Graham, right, Lord? Billy Graham was good. Don't you think Billy Graham was good? Yeah, I mean, how do you not? What do you mean? Maybe, maybe, maybe good for you is not some far off person you really don't know that well. Maybe when you think of somebody good, it's actually somebody you watched. I, I, I would imagine. I hope a lot of us we have somebody in our lives we'd say, "Man, I never heard them talk bad about others." Never heard a curse word. Man, they they were always the first one. They looked for ways they could bless people. They looked for ways they could serve. Do you have somebody like that? Maybe grandma. Isn't grandma always good? Listen, my goal today is not to bring down Billy Graham or your grandmother in your eyes. But here's the truth. You never had access to what went on in their heart. Not Billy Graham. And not your grandmother. I, I, you know what? I mean, I'll be the first to say. I, and I would imagine I'm a lot like you. I think I'm a pretty good person all in all. I don't think I'm perfect. I don't think I'm gra- I, I do a lot of good things. I, I work at it. I try. I know what's in my heart. That's the first time I thought. Hey maybe Billy Graham and grandma. Aren't as good as I thought. Because when I stop and think about what goes on inside my heart. I'm not so good. Would that be true of you? Again I'm kind of repeating myself. But let, let's let's think about it. We just walk down through the, the ten commandments there. God knows every time we've broken those in our heart. And let's. Maybe I need to back up and say something. Let's not pretend like our only problem is what's going on in our heart. Because a good bit of that stuff does make it out, doesn't it? Yes, it does. But for a moment, let's just stick with our heart. Like I said, God sees everything in there that's more important to me than him. I mean, I know I come in here and say God's number one, God's most important, and I tell all of you to do that. But God sees where my heart really beats, what i'm running after what i think is more important god sees how i make him small how i how i limit him Re- remember what we just said we said no one is good well what's good the 10 commandments are good That's the definition of what is good. So if I'm making God small, if I'm trying to reduce him to a picture, to something I can hold in my hand, to some little object that makes me warm so that I can control him, that's not good. That's not good for how I understand God. And if I'm understanding God wrong, guess what? Sooner or later, it's not going to be good for people around me. Whenever I break the Ten Commandments, I'm breaking something in my soul. I'm breaking something in the people around me. And I'm breaking something between God and I. Breaking never leads to good. Never leads to love. So you just run down through the uh, lying. Don't, you know, when we, when, we, when we hear the phrase, thou shalt not lie, don't you immediately think of, well, what about this? Isn't it funny how the moment we hear a command, we want to know when it's okay to break that command? I don't know, folks. Look around on the earth. Do you really think our problem is that we haven't figured out the fine line between when a lie is okay and when it's not? I don't think that's our problem. I think our problem is that we are grossly dishonest. You are so dishonest, you don't even see how much you lie. You don't even recognize how much it's a part of your everyday conversation. It doesn't even affect us. When I do sit down and tell God I'm sorry for my sins, I don't even acknowledge the lies. Lying never leads to good. Go ahead and spend all your time trying to figure out the time when it's okay to lie. Lying never leads to good. Lying does not lead to love, ever. Objectifying people, lust, turning a person into little more than an object of my purposes and my pleasure does not lead to anything good. And there will be people who pay for that that have nothing even to do with that lust. That's the way sin works. I don't get to control where the damage lands. But this is good, and this is love, and I'm good, and I'm loving. You know, the crazy thing is God sees every single one of those. Every thought, every thought that becomes an action. And folks, do you know that he loves you? Think about the people we love the most. That's who we're hiding the most from. The people we love the most are the ones who we most not to want to see what's really going on inside here, right? And God knows every single bit of it and loves you. And provides a way out of that which is breaking what you have with him. Breaking what you have with yourself. Breaking what you have with people around you. It's called the gospel, isn't it? It's the gospel. God sees everything going on inside you and loves you. I want you to listen to to Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 10. And, And I want you to hear these verses in light of thinking about the Ten Commandments. In in light of thinking about what is going on inside us, how we defy and break everything that is good, everything that is love, how we defy God. Listen to what God has for you and me. Romans chapter 5 verse 6, for while we were still weak, I'm not weak, I'm pretty strong and healthy. (laughs) It's not talking about a physical weakness here. It's talking about a spiritual weakness. You and I are are weak. We are impotent. We are unable to be righteous. We, We are unable to keep the commands. We are weak at being good. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. God demonstrates, God proves, God displays how much he loves you. In that while we were sinners, while we were defying, while we're rebelling in our heart against everything that is good and everything that is love and everything that is God, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, how were we made right with God? God. How many people are running around thinking they're going to be made right with God by how good they are when the scripture has shown over and over and over, you're not good. You really need another path. No, we're justified. We're made right with God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies. I, you know, without the Ten Commandments, I don't I don't. I don't like being called an enemy of God. I don't think that's fair of Scripture to call me an enemy of God. I've never attacked God. I, I, I've never tried to do anything to, to hurt God. I mean, who do you call an enemy in your life? Have you seen yourself doing any of that to God? How does God call me an enemy? And then I look at the Ten Commandments and I look at what's going on in my heart I guess enemy is probably a pretty appropriate word, isn't it? While you were an enemy, we were reconciled. You know what that word means, don't you? Made friends again. You were made friends again with God. By the death of his son. Much more now that we have been reconciled, shall we be saved by his life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Folks, any genuine look at the law shows us to be an enemy of God. But it is faith in Christ Not my attempt to keep the law and tell myself I'm doing a pretty good job at it because all I'm doing is deceiving myself because that's what my heart does best. It lies to me. It tells me I'm a good person. It tells me that I'm better than you. And yeah, that was lying and stealing and cheating, but it was for my kids. So that makes it okay. No, that's not what makes me right with God. The blood of Jesus Christ makes me right with God. It makes me right by the... You know what the word righteous means? It means to be right. Right with God, right with others. How, well, what's it look like to be right with God and right with others? Well, that's what the Ten Commandments is, isn't it? You, you and I would say, oh boy, the Bible's filled with hundreds and hundreds of commands. No, it's not. It's filled with ten And every other line in the scripture is just a development, an explanation, an elaboration of the ten and what it looks like. As a matter of fact, a lot of the ten is the thou shalt not, right? Do you know in every command that is saying thou shalt not, you should also be asking, well, what is it telling me to do? Thou shalt not murder. Okay, don't pull out a gun and shoot anybody. But then that does not also mean I become a promoter of life. What better way is there to promote life than to share the gospel with somebody? Because Jesus is life and life eternal. Am I right by the law just because I don't shoot somebody? Or do I need to move on and really become a promoter of life? Because that's what God is. Why why does it say thou shalt not commit adultery? God gets me having fun, finding some love getting some attention no because God is God is pure and he's true and he's faithful that's what good is you're, you're faithful you're faithful to a promise well I'm not married well what if you one day will be you'd be committing adultery against that mate you're one day gonna have. well I'm never getting married well what about the person you're sleeping with are you confident they'll never be married because you're being unfaithful to that person What's good? What's love? God and His commands. And any look at that shows me to be an enemy of God. But God loves. And He offers you and I a rescue, a salvation, a way out of sin, death, and hell. Not by our efforts, but by what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross Have you received Jesus Christ? Have you placed your hope and faith in Him and what He? Do you understand what the cross is now about? It's doing for something, something for us that I cannot do. I can't keep the law and I can't pay for all the places that I've broken. I can't even fathom all of the places I've broken it. So, how can I pay for it? By the blood of Jesus Christ. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Have you received Jesus Christ into your life? The good news is you can. He's available to every single person here. Every person at our Midlothian campus. Every person watching online. You can receive Christ. There's nothing about you that disqualifies you from God's love and God's forgiveness and the eternal life he wants you to have. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever, you're a whoever, aren't you? I can make that standard. I'm a whoever. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, the cross is enough. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, what Jesus did for you on the cross is enough to make you friends with God again. Have you called out to the Lord? Man, I want to give you a, an opportunity right here, right now. I want to say a prayer and give you that opportunity to call out to the Lord. By the way, the sermon's not over. I know when I say amen, that's like an automatic clue that it's time to pick stuff up and race to the car. I'm, I'm actually coming back around. i got to say a few more things about the Ten Commandments. But I just believe that right here and right now, there are people that have never called out to Jesus I'm not asking if you've been religious. I'm not asking if you think you're a pretty good person. I'm saying when you look at the law, do you understand that you need Jesus? Any look at the law leads somebody to say, I need Jesus. Can anybody look at the Ten Commandments and say, "Eh, I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing all right. I need Jesus. And God makes a promise to you, you can have them if you call out to them. I want to say a prayer. It's a prayer much like I prayed when I asked Jesus into my life. I want to say something about the prayer. I'm not about to utter magic words. It's not just say these words and, and, and magic happens. Just say these words and nothing matters anymore. Everything is now good. No, folks, what, what did Jesus say? It's all a heart issue, Right. When I'm breaking the commands, it's a heart issue. When I'm loving God, it's a heart issue. Listen, if it's not real, then reciting words won't make a bit of difference, will it? These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But if it's your heart's desire right now, if you're now fathoming that, man, I am far from God and I can't fix it, and you want to know Jesus as your Savior and Lord, and you want to know His love and forgiveness, and you want to be friends with God again, then just use this moment and this time to call out to the Lord. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. As a matter of fact, in light of what I'm learning this morning, I probably. I'm not even aware of just how much of a sinner, an enemy of you and all that is good that I have been in my heart and sometimes in my words and actions. But Jesus, I understand from your word that you died for me. I, I, I don't know that I understand why. I, 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 don't understand, I don't know if I fully understand all that accomplishes. But Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you rose again so I can rise again. Jesus, would you come into my heart and life and help me live for you. Help me to live right by the words you spoke. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Hey, listen, if you just prayed that prayer, then based on the authority of God's word, not on the authority of me, not because this is what this denomination believes, God's word, that's where you anchor your life. Anchor your life to what God's word says. Based on the authority of God's word, you've been forgiven of your sins. You have eternal life. You're a child of God, a friend of God, because you genuinely called out to the Lord. You say, how do I know I genuinely did that? You know, that's kind of hard to tell, isn't it? I guess it kind of depends on what starts to happen next. Do do I find in my heart a desire for God and his his word and his commands? Do I start to see the the goodness in that? Do I want to do what what Jesus wants me to do? You you know what Jesus wants you to do next if you just called out to him? He wants you to be baptized. Just like we saw witnessed here today. Why did, why I thought Jesus wasn't about religiosity and ceremony? No, he's, he's really not. But he's very much about you identifying to the world who you belong to. You know, as you've heard me say before, I, I, I just, I just took my ring off. I'm still married, aren't I? The ring, the, the ring doesn't make me married, whether it's on or whether it's off. I'm still married. But when I said I will, I do, I love you. I put the ring on as a sign. Doesn't make me married but boy, is it a powerful sign, isn't it? It literally tells everybody on the planet, I belong to somebody. You know, that's what baptism means. That's what baptism does. You're saying, I belong to Jesus Christ. That's why baptism, we call it believer's baptism. It comes after the decision, not before the decision. It's after the decision that I put on the ring. It's after the commitment that I put on the ring. And I tell the world, I belong to Jesus Christ. You know what else Jesus wants you to do? He wants you to love the other people that he has saved. He, w- he wants you to be a part of the body of Christ. You, you become a part of the church. You, you join the church. You say, well, I'm moving in three months. I mean, we have that a lot around here, right? People from Fort Lee. You know, I'm moving through in three months. Then join today. And when you move in three months, join the next place that you go. Listen, don't... It, If your heart and mind is constantly guiding you in why you don't really need to do that when Jesus said that's exactly what to do aren't we seeing something about the sickness of our heart? It constantly tells us why we don't really need to obey. Man if if what just happened there is real I want to I want to I want to follow in believers baptism I want to be a part of his church I want to tell others what I've done listen if you just prayed that that prayer, I, I, I want to help you start growing in this, in this new relationship you have with God. And out at Midlothian, Pastor Ham will tell you in a moment where you can get this. But here on our campus, when we leave here in a moment, you go out these doors, a big window back in the center, there's a desk in front of it that says Connection Desk. Just go out there and, and, and tell them you don't have to join the church to get it, you don't have to be, uh, to be baptized to get it. Just, just walk out there and say, Hey, I just made a decision. Uh, I ask Christ in my life. And, and I want to help you. I want to help you understand what you just did. I want to help you take the next steps. And this, this little Bible study will really help you to do that. Now, this is for people who just did that. It, it, don't go out there and get it if you know somebody who prayed to receive Christ eight months ago. Okay? This is for somebody who just did this right here, right now. I want to make sure we have that for them. Go out there and say, I just made that decision. And while you're out there, if you want... They would love to talk to you about questions about baptism or church membership and taking that next step. How many places, folks, can you say yes to Jesus? Not why you don't really need to say yes to that right now. How many places... Can you say yes? Let's get back to the Ten Commandments because we need to wrap up and go, okay? Let's look at the Ten Commandments up here. These are a little bit of a shortened version, like, like 1 through 4 in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 are actually several sentences long. And so I've kind of reduced it to a, 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 a phrase there. But uh, again, Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, if you want to go and find out where those are in the Scripture. You shall have no other gods before me. You know Why? Because if we put anything else in the God spot, stuff breaks. That's not good, and that's not loving. Do you realize God is actually being kind to us? He's not saying, I want all the attention. He's saying, you have an incredible tendency to put anything and everything in the God spot but me. Don't do that. It breaks life. You won't find good, you won't find love when you do that. Have no other gods. Do not make for yourself anything uh, of an idol in the form of anything. Folks, think about this. God is everywhere. He's all powerful, he's all-knowing, he's eternal, he's infinite. And you know what we want to do? We want to reduce him down to something small I can hold. Oh, I just feel closer to God when I hold this. Oh, it it helps me to pray when I look at that picture of Jesus on on, on the wall. You're not doing your soul a favor to limit God down to an object. He's too big for that. Keep him big in your heart and, and in your soul. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You know, we kind of reduce that down to a little more than cussing, don't we? Well, obviously I shouldn't use the, the Lord's name in a way that's, that, the, in, in that way. But here again, what, how do I use the name of God? Okay, I'm not to misuse the name, but what are all the good ways I can use the name of God? How can I celebrate, exalt, and make big in my life and in others the name of God? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Wow. We could put the whole pharmaceutical company out of business. (laughs) Jesus says, hey, you know, you want to be healthy, spiritually, emotionally physically and mentally one day needs to not look like the other seven and you know what we do we tend to turn that into a bunch of rules of what you can do and what you can't do what you're supposed to do what you're not supposed you need one day for the well-being of your soul that doesn't look like the other seven honor your parents it's really about honoring authority isn't it and mom and dad give us our first practice at that you know what we want in life we want good and we want love But sometimes authority, not sometimes, a lot of times authority doesn't deserve it. They're not worthy. My own mom and dad aren't always worthy of being honored. God says, I know. So let's start working on it right away. Because when you dishonor, when you disrespect authority, listen, I just know how everything runs. You're going to break everything in life. It will not lead you to the good that you want. We'll a lot to figure out there what it means, what it looks like to honor an unworthy authority, to honor a wrong uh, authority. Number six, don't murder. That also means promote life. Don't commit adultery. That also means promote what is faithful and true and good and love. Don't steal. Oh my gosh, we, we, ah. you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. Actually, the scripture breaks that down and says, you know, you don't tell the truth or the lie on your neighbor for the purpose of making them look bad. How many people hate somebody because of what you said? That will never lead to, oh, I I get that, Pastor, I understand. But they had it coming. And they're really wrong. Even God would say they were wrong. Uh Uh-huh, sure. And you're going around saying that to others is leading to good? Good. It's it's leading to what folks. We're not saying things don't need to be corrected. Something doesn't need to change. But God says you running around talking about others and tearing them down will never be the way I work. Whatever you're doing, you're not doing it with me. That won't lead to love. That won't lead. You shall not covet. Holy cow! We're going to have to move to another country. I mean, that's just the American way, isn't it? I mean, I'm watching TV literally every 15 minutes. I get to see something that's newer, better, more than I have. How much stress are we under because we constantly want something more than what I have right now? It's not just about stuff, folks. We've built lives where we can never be satisfied. And you know what? When we're dissatisfied, we break the other nine commandments. (laughs) You know, I really explained very little about these this morning. I, most important thing, if you look at them for 30 seconds, you know you need Jesus. If, if you're being honest. But let's, let's th- three things we can leave here quickly with today of what we do with the Ten Commandments. Number one, read them. We need to, we need to hit the reset button, don't we? Because a lot of I'm about Jesus. I'm not about the Ten Commandments. Uh, Jesus, I'm pretty sure, it was about the Ten Commandments. Okay, so let's just do this. Let's read them every day in our house for 10 days. Can we do this? It's Pretty simple. Just read them. Don't have to explain them. Don't have to just, just read them. Read them by yourself. Read them with a loved one. Read them with your family. Read the 10. Can we, can we do that as a church? Will you do that out there at Midlothian? Yes. Okay. We're For 10 days in a row, we're going to read out loud. Number two. And and if we do number one, that'll help us with number two. We're going to start memorizing them. I realize a lot of us, we get all caught up in where the Ten Commandments are posted, right? Hey, listen, I wish they were posted at schools. I wish they were posted in our government buildings. Our nature, do you realize our nature is to do everything the opposite of the Ten Commandments? So it's good to have a reminder up that there's something right and something wrong, right? But, folks, is it a little strange for believers to expect an unbelieving world to post the Ten Commandments when they're not listed in our heart? If you go by statistics, if we went around the room right now, well, we probably could do pretty good because we just saw them, right? Statistics say the average believer, the average Christian, can't mention more than four of the Ten Commandments. So maybe we should, uh, maybe I should work on getting those nailed on this wall first right and then number three man just pray about him. hey God what is am I okay with you if all I never do is pull out a gun and shoot somebody is that does that mean I'm in the good what, what, what are you telling me not to do what are you telling me to do hey God is there a place where my heart has really run away in justifying that that's okay you know, folks, you know what the Bible calls any time that you and I approach a sin with the belief that we're forgiven? It calls it a high-handed sin. You know what a high-handed sin is? It means not only am I going to commit this sin, but God, I'm going to smack you in the face while I do it. You know what? Forgiveness, forgiveness is a safety net, not a parachute. You understand the difference? When you put a parachute on, you want to use it. But when you're walking on that high wire, you don't actually want to land in the safety net. I'm so grateful for God's forgiveness. I don't put it on to jump into sin. That's just smacking God in the face. So see, I'm just praying, God, where have I lied to myself? Where am I lying to myself? Where have I become insensitive? I I don't even know what to say I'm sorry for that because I've... I've grown so used to that sin being a part of my life. You know, I know this sounds heavy. Man, we're right back to the start where it's just so scary looking at what God says. Oh, man, when you unwrap every one of those things, folks, they really are what is good. And they really are what is love. If I want to know how to be good before God and good before you, I want to know how to love God, I want to know how to love you. All I need is the Ten Commandments and Jesus living in me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for your kindness and your goodness. We don't have to, to wander around in the dark trying to figure it out. You've told us. You gave us 10 simple, 10 simple, direct, powerful, important, and so much needed words on how I can be right with you, how I can be right with every person. And God, you know I fail at it. I'm so weak. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me at the cross and providing a way out of the sin and death and hell, the only thing I've earned in this life. Thank you for rescuing me from that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.